Hello and welcome to episode number 334 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Good, good. We have a lot to talk about once again this week. I know, Um, craziness. Yeah, it's a great time on all fronts, really. Um, of course, we'll be talking about a brand new horror film that we saw at the cinema, which is always a delight. Um, and hopefully it delivers a long, long awaited one. Very much uh, one of the COVID delayed films. Um, they're mm. still we're still getting them into 2023 and beyond. Um, and of course, yeah, we will have to have our weekly The Last of Us chat afterwards because oh, it's will. just oh, it's just insanity. Um but first, a little bit of news that we can get to. Um, this first mm-hmm. one was a new trailer that came out in the past week um, titled The Boogeyman, which is a new Stephen King adaptation. Um, this is an original short story that he first published in, I think it was 1973, um, but has never been adapted into a feature until now, um, which just as a quick aside, because that's what we always do, always find that interesting, like yeah. crazy to me that they found, a, according yeah. to this 50-year-old King story that hasn't been adapted. I'm like, well, that's what, that's oh, why what hasn't I, it been adapted? Well, that's what I fucking love. I'm like, he submitted this short story to some sort of, like, magazine, like, yeah. when he was finding his feet, and, like, mm. they're like, oh, shit, it's got Stephen King. Like, it, like we've got one. We've got one, guys. We've <laughs> got a fresh Stephen King IP. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> like, it feels like the deepest of cuts. Um, yeah. Which, God, who knows what that's going to pan out by. But, yeah, it's this one's coming in June, uh, June mm-hmm. 2nd, um, via sort of 20th Century Studios. Um, interestingly, this was originally going to go straight to Hulu, like, obviously, like Hellraiser last year and so many horror movies recently. Um, but it was kind of due to a strong test screening and also apparently approval from Stephen King himself. Um which gave the sort of studio confidence to, to up the strategy and release it in cinemas, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. I think I know we're saying a lot pre and then we'll talk about the trailer, but I do think it's why it's so interesting because there's a lot of people attached to this kind of producers such as Sean Levy, who is kind of one of the main guys behind the recent Stranger Things season. We have the original draft of the script written by Scott Beck and Brian Woods, of course, writers of A Quiet Place and um, nice. Haunt and Upcoming 65. Um, and then directed by Rob Savage, who is, of course, the uh, British director of Host, um, which is good, and Dashcam, which is not good, um, from last year. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people involved behind the scenes that we know of. Not too many people in this that we're massively Ooh. familiar with based upon the trailer, maybe like one or two faces. Um, but, yeah, what, what was it? Did this trailer do anything for you? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, I feel a bit bad because really I almost feel like it was put in here just to beat it down, and it really wasn't because I think yeah, like, it's, it's a Stephen King film, and it and because of all these names attached, it's worth talking about. But I also didn't like this trailer. Everything you said before, then I was like, "Man, did I watch the same trailer?" Um, <laughs> because it's it's really strange that I mean the the the, the parallels that have been trying to be drawn into Stranger Things is hilarious with this with this trailer um some of the imagery and stuff but also just how generic and kind of vanilla it felt for like this just you know a spooky movie you know a a movie that comes out in the last five or ten years called boogeyman about a little kid that's kind of being terrified (laughs) man that is like the quintessential paint by numbers like let's just get out horror ip 
but then suddenly you're like oh, okay it's got it's got a director that we've enjoyed it's got writers that we've thoroughly enjoyed and it's a stephen king original story i'm like how is this product that looks so generic and kind of this modern um you know circumstance of like this you know the the, the just crazy train of of these movies but but it's but it's embedded from fucking a 50 year old Stephen King story. It's, it's kind of bizarre and it does make me a little bit more interested just mm. to see like how, if this is a car crash, how did we get here? <laughs> and, and, you know, have the hope that there's enough names attached to it that I do enjoy that. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Maybe, I'm right there with you. Just a, maybe it is just a trailer that's designed to be like, Oh, okay, shit. We need to get bums on seats. Now what gets bums on seats? Oh, I know people saying that it's something to do with stranger things and generic ghost shit. You know, and, and hopefully this is just a you know more than that when we actually unpack it. Yeah, if we would have just seen this trailer with no context, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have even. I would have watched it for about a minute, turned it off, and never thought about it again um, because it was that sort of boring and forgettable. But like I say, with all of these names attached to it, it, it feels like something that we should definitely cover. Um, yeah. I I definitely hope that it, what you say is so interesting about if this came out in the context of now so it's so say for example this wasn't based upon a super old original story and it was this trailer called the boogeyman with these people involved you would think it was some sort of not even satire but like it's similar with malignant how malignant purposefully played into those themes and conventions of what mm. you expect from a haunted movie and then delivered something completely different when you watched it um and so i do wonder if there's potential for that but then that to me would feel like a modern day reaction to the last decade decade of those types of movies whereas clearly that's not what this is unless mm. of course it's been heavily changed and adapted because of course this can be adapted you know it's a it's a short story from Stephen king like yeah. much like what we saw with the black phone which has obviously stayed a lot more true to that original story but mm, much so. they added a lot because they had to because it's not it wasn't a feature-length story so uh, yeah th- there's there's potential here but obviously just based upon this trailer the, the only thing i thought was decent was the actual sort of creature in very limited moments did look cool um but it felt like a movie that did not want to show you the creature at all so mm. that was a shame um but yeah we, we shall see for this one like it, it did have a bit of hype because i remember hearing about this last year and with the people attached to it and then hearing like oh yeah the screenings are going well so this was a trailer that was being lauded and it had its debut during the uh, the nfl playoffs at the weekend so it's kind of like a big deal mm. um and i was like excited when i heard about it i was like oh it's finally out i you know sat down on monday morning to watch it and was just thoroughly disappointed so yeah i hope this is better than the trailer for sure um but yeah next up just a very quick hit here but i just we we love talking about all these people of course we we talked a lot about robert eggers recently um the absolute magician that he is and yeah we basically know that he's doing nosferatu as his next movie now seems that way um you know when you start getting a lot of names attached to it production companies uh focus features involved seems like that's the case which i think is incredible um but yeah we talked a lot about last time uh bill skarsgård is attached to play the uh lead role um to playing nosferatu to uh lily rose death is the female lead um we also know that nicholas holt is part of the cast who obviously we we just saw in the menu and he was amazing we'll, mm. we'll be seeing him in renfield in a couple of months um but another name has arisen and one that is extremely familiar to robert eggers in fact and to us in general um because it is one of our all-time favorite actors mr willem dafoe 
um, is, yeah, Deadline are reporting that he's in talks to join the cast. So I'm sure he will. I'm sure, yeah. he, you know, they clearly have one of those relationships that it's like if Robert calls and Willem's available, he'll be there 100% um, because they have that trust in each other as creators and artists. And yeah, he's he would be perfect for this of course like he's he's flirted in weird stuff in you know like in 2000 there was a movie called shadow of the vampire that was this it's such a bizarre movie i don't even want to get into it now but it is almost like a quasi making of like, like a kind of, making yeah. of, of of the original yeah. nosferatu it's really interesting um but yeah he was in that and so yeah he and obviously he's just like such a charismatic and sort of emotive actor that i think he's absolutely perfect for what would be a modern day take on nosferatu um so yeah this is very exciting do, do you really have much to add on this other than this sounds very exciting no i mean it's just all good shit you know mm. and and just keep 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 the process going keep making this movie everything is good <laughs> yeah you know i just want eggers to make the movie he wants to make and, and give him the time to make it and and you know all of these announcements are, are all the positive steps in already something that i was going to see day one anyway yeah i'm hoping that the next time we talk about this it'll be that it's in production because that's the one thing i want to hear now i want to be like no you know they're in prague and it's an eight week shoot like that's what i want to hear now because we've got all of the good stuff and when you get cast members attached and all that sort of thing it's it's very very positive but i think until they're there on the sets filming you never know but i think that yeah i have to imagine that within the next sort of six to eight months this will be shooting and then Mm -hmm. potentially coming out next year so incredibly exciting indeed um and then lastly just as a very brief update because of course we'll be talking about it later um the last of us uh we mentioned before like we actually joked about it last week after just two Mm. episodes um but yeah hbo have made it official after this mega success that is the last of us season one um they've already greenlit a season two um which is obviously incredibly exciting we already know now like this early on that we're that we're getting more i think it was it was so painfully obvious they could have almost announced this before the show had even aired to be honest um but i think and you know and knowing what we know about the story and it seems like it's all of the first game into season one and and obviously there's so much time to speculate which i'm sure we will once once the season's over um but it's very exciting as a smaller side as well in the uk you can watch episode one on sky's youtube for free and in the states it's available for free on hbo max's website as well without a subscription so no matter where you are in the world you can watch yeah you can watch episode one for free and this is perfect because like as i keep saying about the show and i even said it last year quality speaks for itself and so if you if you don't have the means to watch it go out of your way to watch episode one and they are so confident and i am so confident yeah. you will be so hooked you will have yeah, you will sign up yeah. and watch the rest of the season i i love the arrogance of it I, I love it i think it's exactly what what network providers should do for um their flagship shows that they're that confident on you know netflix i don't know if they ever have they might have done mm-hmm. but like something like stranger things it's like whack an episode out there be like do you know what like, you know, and the problem is, is, you know, it doesn't always work with certain shows. But with The Last of Us, you know, the, 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 the pilot episode was so incredible. You know, we knew the opening was, was going to be strong if they did deliver on the game's promise. And, and, you know, now they're just like, yeah, we know that that will, you know, get, get subscription in. And like we've, we've had a couple of weeks where that's worked and our numbers for week two were insane. I don't know what the week three numbers were, but it's kind of like, oh, OK, cool. But let's let's just build momentum even more. Let's let's just be cocky enough to be like, do you know what? Everyone that that has got our um, 
platform already is paying for it in the UK or overseas, whatever the platform is. Like they've seen it. Can we get other people now? And like this is perfect. I think it's I think it's a great move, and I love that they're doing it with this show in particular. Yeah. Um. It's it's just it, it fills me with joy. But we we will we will no doubt talk about the Last of Us again. It makes even more sense with a brand new show as well, because there's mm. going to be so many people that have no idea what The Last of Us is. Um, mm. And so I think that's perfect to get that in front of people. Um, and yeah, you, you did briefly mention it, but yeah, episode three was up, I think, another 20%. So nice. it just continues to grow. It's kind of on the night audience on the Sunday anyway, because now it, it, is, it is really becoming like event television, um, mm. where I'm like scheduling my week around it. And I just, I yeah. cannot wait to watch it and then and listen to those, the podcasts and hear all the conversations and reactions to it the next day. Like it's it's just it's something really really special that we should all just treasure and, and really enjoy this moment mm. while we can for the next sort of six weeks um oh yeah we've yeah. not seen anything on a level like this for the podcast you know no. and, and it, it's insane uh the the only other thing i was just going to say briefly because i wanted to mention it at some point was i do find it hilarious on my now tv where it says it has like a couple of like you know um quotes from from mm. critics and stuff and the quote that they choose to use is this puts the walking dead to shame. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my man, that, that's such a funny troll. <laughs> yeah. It, the thing is, the, the thing is, it's such an unfair fight because yeah, it puts every TV show to shame. Um, you know, you could genuinely put any title in there from the last decade and it would be yeah. true. Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. I know. Course, like, it, like the only thing always going to be there, you know, unless it put the words puts loss to shame. Like, I think we wouldn't really ever argue any TV show that they put in there. <laughs> I genuinely, genuinely wouldn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll get to that later because we we, we, got, we got a film to talk about. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> sorry about that. Shall we talk about this week's film? Let's talk about Unwelcome. So yeah, I can't fully remember like when we first touched upon this movie for the podcast. Um, Cause I feel like it, it wasn't, oh, like, yeah. Was it in one of your lists? Yeah. It was last year's list. Um, yeah. So the start of 2022. Yeah. So the start of 2022. And at that point it, it seemed imminent, you know, <laughs> that the, it was, it, it was a pandemic shot movie and it was kind of, you know, it, it seemed like it was there. I watched a, a full kind of theatrical trailer in the prep of that, that podcast and kind of, you know, we spoke about it. It sounded exciting. It was it was this kind of cool film that we hadn't heard of. And then it appeared on our Odeon app and then it just sat there for almost 12 months. Yeah, so um, it, it, in was, the it, soon was, <laughs> it was just around the corner because, mm. yeah, it was originally going to be February 2022. And that was the mm. date for the longest time. So that's why I had a proper trailer and marketing campaign and everything. And then it just got bumped randomly um, to Halloween. And so that mm. was kind of like the play. But that always felt like a placeholder. But that was the official date for a certain period of time was the 28th of October. And then that kind of day came and went. And it was almost like someone went, oh, shit, we just forgot to release it. Um, so then they were like, oh, I don't know, January next year. And they were like, sorted. Mm. So obviously, yeah, it's out now in the UK. This is out in the States on the 10th of March. Um, and apparently mm. digital on the 14th of March. So that must just be a very limited release in the States. But this is obviously a pretty, pretty small British movie. Um, mm. so very 
very nice to see this on the big screen. Like, it very much felt like the type of movie we would only see at a Fright Fest, usually. Really um, did. It really did, yeah. So, yeah, very, very nice positive. to see it outside of that context, even though it would have been uh, very, very interesting to see at Fright Fest. But um, it's great that we don't just have to wait one, se- one time a year to see these types of movies on the big screen, mm. which is fantastic. Um, but, yeah, what is unwelcome about good luck i'll say um also it is a difficult one because just right off the bat before we get into plot like this movie is obviously not available in the states Mm -hmm. right now um you know at least half of our audience is from the states so i'm very mindful of that um so but also they have shown a lot in particularly the trailer yeah, poster, um, poster and trailer touches upon things, so I think it's mm. easy to at least get us to the conversational point. I yeah. think, <clears throat> you know, we may throw up spoiler warning as well for this one, but, uh, yeah. I can't I imagine we'll talk about the ending, but yeah. Uh, not necessarily the ending, but just un- unravel it a bit more. Mm. But yeah, this this is, um, well, first of all, we, we meet kind of this married couple, uh, Maya and Jamie, and they're living in kind of right in the middle of london and we kind of meet them on the night that they find out that uh maya is pregnant and jamie goes off to buy some alcohol-free champagne to celebrate and you know those youth scallywags that hang out in front of convenience stores he uh he rubbed them the wrong way and they um ended up you certainly do do know that if you live in london (laughs) certainly do and yeah, you you don't do what what Jamie did. Um, and yeah, they basically um, invade their house. They attack both the both uh, members of the couple and kind of um, somehow kind of you know b- get away with it and run away. But but kind of leaves the couple traumatized and kind of. I think I really touched upon that opening scene quite a bit because. I really tip my hat to it in mm. the it's a completely different scene to the rest of the movie. It's very tense and, and, and horrible to watch. Um, and it delivers on exactly what it wants to do. And it creates a pivotal moment for both our characters for the, for the entirety of this movie, both of our lead characters are living with the consequences of that night, um, which I thought was, was really good. That like I you know I, I bring up all the time when a, when an opening scene of a horror movie is frustrating you know that it's just an out of context like horrory scene and it's like man this one like it, it um it reminds me a lot of Midsummer you know this kind of just like incredibly strong horror scene that that isn't anything else to do with the movie but it just sets up so much um so I I, I really respected that and then kind of we we rejoin kind of um, Maya and Jamie and. Basically, Jamie's auntie has uh, passed away and left them her big old house in the middle of kind of rural island. So they've up sticks. Um, Maya is still pregnant and they are um, going to move to lovely island. And um, when they kind of move in to this house, this beautiful kind of big house kind of in, like I say, rural island, it's kind of a very run down house and the kind of lady i'm forgetting her name now was it oh, i can't remember um, the person who just, like shows him around the yeah, house yeah uh, never mind anyway she is kind What's of mave mave okay yeah thank you she's also kind of the, the the landlady of the local pub and kind of 
she she basically is showing him around the house and t- telling them telling him about his auntie and kind of you know <laughs> very much just like oh yeah you've got to fix the roof um you know yeah this is how the front door works here's this room here's this room oh and by the way once a day that little gate at the end of the garden you've, you've got to feed the red caps because if not they'll probably like murder people so yeah po- probably feed them like uh a blood sacrifice but <laughs> nothing silly nothing silly like you know just a bit of like raw liver or something like you know you haven't got to fucking kill an animal don't worry about it anyway so the ceiling yeah you gotta you gotta probably get that fixed um and that's, it, that's... It, it, it's so true like you say like the nonchalant delivery of that in the middle of this overall conversation about renovations in the house is what really sells it so well yeah and i and i really i really just like thought that was fantastic and i think like that's what this movie does for like the the, the vast majority of it where this isn't a comedy um this is played very straight but it's just delivered in a way that kind of makes you chuckle and just kind of the scenarios as they unravel um because yeah basically you know we we are then joined with kind of um these two moving into the house trying to get the place repaired with uh shenanigans of local builders which i'm sure we'll bring up um and you know this promise that they said they would do of this this leaving raw meat out for the red caps and kind of you know that the introduction of it and when they were mentioned um you know i i i don't know whether you've looked into it at all i, I assume this is some sort of irish folktale law that specifically mm. kind of the name red caps and kind of what that means but but instantly kind of jamie's like oh you, you mean leprechauns cool okay cool yeah. and like you know that that is kind of the wheelhouse that we're in here um that that is what the red caps are because you know i wasn't familiar with that name going into this movie um but then like the movie did a good job of of literally being like oh yeah you you mean like you mean like leprechauns right and they're like like, well yeah kind of but not not really and it's like yeah that's that's kind of what they're trying to set up you know what what these things potentially will be um and yeah i mean i guess you know i think i think that pretty much sets up sets things up um Mm. i think kind of you know, as the movie unravels, we get to see kind of, like I said, this tension, especially with Jamie, where he feels inadequate that he was unable, unable to kind of um, protect Maya and kind of, you know, keep her safe in this kind of this night when they found out this fantastic news. And then he was just he was just it kicked into the corner and did not help her in any way. And I think kind of him you know when we then get introduced to these builders and the way that they just like do what do what local dodgy builders do across the country uh it just kind of come in and take over the place like they own it and do a shoddy job like it it just unraveled so perfectly with his inadequacy and their kind of you know stereotypical behavior um and and you know it it wasn't for laughs. It was played quite serious, but it was also kind of hilarious to watch it unravel. Um, mm. Like, I mean, you know, I want you to go into your thoughts on it, but I also kind of want you to, you know, touch upon how you felt about the, uh, you know, the, the, like I say, it wasn't comedy. It was played straight, but I did find this mo- movie amusing and enjoyable in that way, you know, um, and it was an interesting, you know, choice to not really flick the switch and go full comedy. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting dynamic about this entire film that I think mm. that the we've seen a lot of 
funny horror films um, covering this show. We've seen a lot actually very recently, in fact. Um, but I think that the ones that are the truly great ones, for example, Psycho Goreman and Violent Night, are they are comedy horror films, first and mm. foremost. And that is their entire mo um and if you're not in it for the laugh you're not going to enjoy those films i don't think whereas i think right. this movie is completely a tonally straight horror film that has insanely good drama insanely good character development performances acting set pieces it has all of that stuff but then it's sprinkled in are these moments of levity and moments of realism that are just truly funny um and it, and it kind of has a whole range of comedy as well because i think there are some genuine like laugh out loud moments particularly in the pub there's some pretty sort of that's where they kind of lean into the comedy the most but then a lot of it is like oh i shouldn't be laughing at this or yeah. i'm laughing at this because i'm uncomfortable or, i'm laughing because this is absurd um you know it really does hit so many different things or like i'm laughing because i'm, I'm relating to this you know you you, you mentioned yeah. like jamie and his sign of annoyance with with the the whelan family who are these kind of basically con artist builders mm -hmm. who are taking him for a ride like all of those interactions just made me laugh so much because i was just like yeah this is exactly how i would feel in this in this circumstance when he brought up them stealing his biscuits yeah i was like <laughs> and again the, like yeah, it's so petty but you would yeah. so say that as well it's like, already yeah, it's already in the middle of an argument where some and he's like oh and another thing where it's just like oh yeah i don't i didn't want to bring it up and now we're now we're taking it here let's go there and like yeah that level of realism in the writing was something that really caught me off guard um because i thought like oh yeah like the spirit of this entire movie is just real human interactions and i think that they absolutely nail the setting and tone of this movie so much you know starting it in london um with this couple and kind of to get back to the that opening scene like yeah the opening scene is so good because I, I remember starting you know we're sitting in the cinema the movie begins and it's oh it's really romantic it's this young in love couple and you know they're now she's she's doing the pregnancy test and they're waiting and it's this clearly you know one of the most joyous moments that someone can experience um and to start your horror film like that just and it's almost like that feeling of the last of us where anytime something good happens you're just dreading it because you know something miserable is around the corner and i think starting a horror film like that is just like i'm like something's gonna go wrong i'm like right it's a it's a demon spawn baby or you know something he's gonna they're gonna slip and fall on a knife which is just like something brutal and i'm like what is it gonna be and so then when you have like this meeting outside the shop with the hoodlums you're like where is this going like is he just gonna get jumped or what but then it, it just turns out so much worse i than thought that he was gonna die like yeah. i really thought he was gonna die in the opening scene and I, I completely agree because i don't know why but mm. i got the vibe that he just wasn't an actor that was going to be in it for that long like i mm. really just got that vibe from that opening scene which i think was really good on their part because he ended up being brilliant throughout the rest of the film but yeah. it, it felt like someone because he was very showy and had so many lines in that opening scene and so many jokes um you know about the baby and stuff like i really thought like oh yeah this guy's not in the rest of the film because they're mm. getting in all of his good lines early um 
so when it did transpire that they come back to the flat and there's like this horrific scene that i just felt so uncomfortable watching it and i was like man i can't believe this movie's got me this bad this early um we're like five minutes into the movie and i'm already like tense and nervous for these characters um and yeah it kind of goes so severely wrong and then when we get the jump to ireland this kind of massive sense of relief seeing that she's pregnant um man because they they take so long to re-reveal that as well Well, yeah, like, which is just not going to be pregnant. Like it's this going to be this like horrible like you know mm. miscarriage that happened and hundred like, percent. You know, That's fully and what I was she's like very heavily pregnant as well. And I'm like, oh, thank God! Like yeah. I was so happy. Yeah, definitely. Like it's such a good reveal. And I think that it, there, there is so many examples about just the little things this movie does perfectly. And that's one of them. Is like, oh yeah, that slow reveal because they know as the audience you're waiting for that confirmation. And then yeah, the second you see that she's like fully pregnant now, like ready to pop, basically, you're like the the sense of relief, and you're like, oh okay, they're, they're starting this new life, and it's in Ireland, and it's all going really great, and they've got this lovely new house but then yeah you, you you then get that constant stark reminder of like no i'm watching a horror film like this is gonna go poorly at some point and so i always had that in the back of my mind and i think that that kind of drives you through all of the early interactions which i think are so strong of like being introduced to the to the to the village that they live in i guess and you know there's a great pub scene like we we love a good enter a pub and everyone stops Mate. to look at you and like i think we both even looked at each other and laughed in the cinema during yeah. this part because it was like oh yeah we have to talk about this on the show but it was perfect because they did it and then everyone laughed and it was basically a play into that trope of like yeah nah, we, was, we actually like you it was um, specifically included for us that they were like this is what you want <laughs> like we're going to give it to you in the on to the extreme but the but the best part about that was like that that like joke was fantastic. But then we have multiple scenes in the pub, and every one of them is standout. Mm. And every one of them, um, you know, really does deliver on the things that I want. Like 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 we said multiple times, like British pub scenes are our favorite things to see, and like they really do deliver. Like when they're eating the meal and the the drunk, or or when the builders <laughs> come in later on, and like the you know just everything i i really enjoyed it was amazing and like you said yeah like that the drunk guy i, I i'm convinced that was like willem dafoe undercover in prosthetics yeah um because yeah he was just hilarious and and, and again a character like that that is he's very overtly comedic um but mm. doesn't overstay his welcome like he's really not in the movie that much um which is great and so I love this scene as well because this put me on a wrong path of where I expected this movie to go, mm-hmm. which I really liked. It did I don't, yeah, I don't know about you, but with that scene, when they have that turn, and then there's a there's a moment when they're driving home, and I think it's after the shop or the pub, and he's like, "Everyone is so nice in this village." Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh, I get it now. That 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 was when it clicked to me, and I was like, oh, I know what this movie's about. You know, they're pregnant. They go into this village. There's this blood offering, and now everyone's being nice to you. I'm like, I see where this where this is going, yeah, and it yeah. didn't it didn't go that way. And I loved it because I was like, oh, that was like almost like a double fake out. You know, I, I was expecting the kind of hot fuzz reveal that like everyone's bad. Um, so that was fantastic. And then yeah, once we then get into you know actual drama actual horror um the madness and absurdity of this of the story of the red caps and kind of how that unravels and plays into like i think that's what's so good about this film is that it has 
like the opening scene the dealing with the trauma of this traumatic event and how both of maya and jamie deal with it so differently and how it is going to basically shape them as humans for the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. that's like the overriding arc of the story that we then have like the fish out of water aspect those british couple moving to ireland trying to fit in we then have the whelans and their kind of um you know abuse of power and and just screwing them over and that uncomfortableness from jamie and myra of like we just want to we just want a simple life like we can't we we left london to get away from these type of people and now we're right back where we started all of that then mixed with this crazy irish folk horror backstory um which yeah feels so genuine to the setting um and to this time and a place that then ties into those other two elements where the red caps have a you know major part to play in the story involving the pregnancy and involving the wheelands and so i think it's like they do there's three things about the movie that are all equally fascinating and fantastic and all massively deliver mm. um i think there's still so much to talk about but i definitely want to hear your thoughts but i think overall um i, I couldn't believe how good this movie was i still mm. can't believe how good this movie is right now um and i almost find myself like checking myself being like oh don't go too crazy it's because you're in a great mood because of the last of us and, and i know I, I i had that exact <laughs> thought process <laughs> yeah but i'm like no like i've thought about this you know we saw this about five days ago at this point mm. and i've been thinking about it and i'm like there isn't this this movie over delivered on everything from from the horror specifically because we need to go back to the actual horror of it but then mm-hmm. i think about the drama and the characters and the setting and how like genuine it was and i was like this is up there with the best british stuff we've ever seen because i think it really did just nail that time and a place is why you know when we talk about british films and wanting to see them succeed i want them to remind me of things that i've experienced in my life because this is where you know this is where i've lived my whole life and so that's why stuff like saint maud and now unwelcome is like and and last night in soho and these sorts of movies that they will always have like a closer place for me because you know i I don't know about texas the, the way i do about places in england and stuff so it just it lands harder for me and yeah i'm so blown away by every aspect of this movie it's absolutely incredible yeah, I think that's it. Like specifically rural, like mm. British movies will will always get us. Like although this is an Irish setting, you know, it felt like the world that we see every day. You know, this small town, rural. You know, these little pubs and little corner shops and everything. Um, you know, because even the, the the little corner shop where, yeah. like, you know, it, when they first go there, he's like, "Oh, it's on the house." It's on. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, 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 well the, the people are so nice. He's like, oh, I knew you were on the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I mirror what you said about this movie just delivering on every front. Like, it, it really did. You know, you can, I think, like, you, you can tell when we first start talking about a movie and when we're even just in the synopsis that we, we, we're we pretty excited <laughs> about it. And, and with this one, that's that's clearly the case. Uh, you know, when I, when I talk about the opening scene for, for five or ten minutes, um, you know, you know you're on to a winner. Um but yeah, I think this movie really does. Like I said, it, it it's funny because we've spoken a lot about the movie without going really into the red caps and, and mm. that side of it. And I think that's also what the movie does yeah. where it's like, and, and, and even the horror, like the horror in this movie could eat, this movie could easily be a horror movie without the existence of the red caps. Yeah, there's so um, much tension, isn't there, throughout the whole film? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, it, it asks so many, you know, questions when we get to the end of the movie. Um, 
you know and, and i think that's the the other side of it is that it's just in, it's incredibly intelligent you know that the whole the whole script you know and and it is um you know it, it really was a surprise watching it i think like it it is funny because definitely that opening scene when we're first introduced to our kind of couple i i wasn't blown away by them as like actors and they're and and like yeah, like the like, believability as a couple. Mm. Yeah, I and was thinking that their, as well. And just their dialogue and everything. Like the movie started, and I was like, "Oh, this feels like like fairly like low budget, and the actors don't feel like they've got like crazy chops. Like it's just gonna like they're fairly like blah mundane performances." And I was like, kind of, and I was kind of like, "Oh man, this is gonna be fairly like you know, hopefully we can get enjoyment from it." But I really wasn't jiving with either of them. And I think kind of by the closure of that scene, I, I was I was almost there. And then the second we get reintroduced to them, like I understood their dialogue and their conversation more and their delivery of it. And then really grew into kind of their performances. And by the end of it, thought thought the performances for both both of them were, were, were amazing. And and I think what you said was, was that, you know, I, I wonder how deliberate it was to be like, you know, um, in particular, Jamie, you know, um, is he just going to disappear in the opening scene and is he inconsequential? And like, as the movie goes on, you know, he, he really does build more and more. Um, you know, I, I think um, definitely, so, you know, a lot of the things that they do with specifically Jamie are put in there for laughs. They aren't just, I mean, some of them are of comedy lines as well. I, it's just weird that it is just it isn't it doesn't become slapstick but his character when i think about it and i think about the one lines he says and like when he's you know working out on the bloody punch bag and stuff yeah. but i'm like man that is just like an absolute like it's a comedy sketch but it but it didn't feel like it in the context of the movie it felt right and it felt not overtly funny but it still made me laugh like it, and that's what i found so interesting about this movie like those scenes um I think the Whelans are really like that as well. Like, if you look Man, at all four Whelans. of them, yeah. they're all very kind. I mean, like, the two sort of younger um, yeah. of the group, they're, like, the straight out of, like, a sketch show in terms of how mm. ridiculous they are. And, that, that's, and what, that's what, like, local builders are like around here. Definitely. <laughs> like, like I, that, that was genuinely a thing. of Like, all four of those were, in some different ways, caricatures, but they all felt realistic to me. And yeah. especially um, Daddy Wheeland, who, you know, keeps having this recurring joke of call me oh, daddy. Man. And, like... Yeah. Yeah. like it's just so good like that in itself is a perfect essence of what makes this movie so special because that is hilarious and scary at the same time mm -hmm. because i'm like oh it's funny you're asking me to call you daddy but what is the real reason like what's actually under yeah. the surface here aside from just it's funny that you want people to call you daddy well, and it's, um, it's one of them things where i don't know about you but i've met people like in life <laughs> that are like oh i want to be called big john yeah and I'm like, well, i don't know if i want to call you big john like i don't yeah. know like i know it's so weird. true and like and like that is just so and then like you know just to call it's not even like you know um you know daddy whatever it's like no just call me daddy like <laughs> yeah. i just want you to call me daddy and it's like like daddy whelan would have been way less sinister yeah but it was like no no call me daddy like and and the fact that he was trying to get her to say it the whole time like it really was unnerving and and like that was the point of the movie where i was like shit like what who's the villain going to be in this movie yeah 
like that was the moment where I was like, because it was like the the last time he said it in that first like interactions backwards mm-hmm. and forwards, where he was like, "No, call me daddy." I was like, "Oh shit!" Like daddy's angry. <laughs> yeah, and seeing the the Jamie and Myers different reactions to that as well yeah. again just perfectly encapsulates who they are as characters. Because I do think the reason why I think we both didn't massively jive with them straight away in the opening scene was because these two characters are clearly written from the perspective of after that traumatic event so Mm. i think it contextualizes everything because we now understand why jamie and maya are the way they are because of this thing that happened in london whereas i think before pre-event which is only one scene it's not as well written because because they are supposed to just be a more happy in love young couple which i don't think they were as suited to those roles whereas when we actually get jamie as a very resentful angry person and maya is someone who is willing to do anything to keep the peace in her life at this point you know she's like yeah i'll call you whatever like i don't care like it's just a word to me like that is that is the least of my problems like i've moved to ireland i'm putting out dead liver like i will do anything to keep the peace at this point and so i love that again it all the writing is so good in this film because these are all every dynamic serves the overall greater purpose of making just a great film it's like we talk about that all the time whether or not a movie is crowbarring and a message or oh they had a cool ending that they were trying to get to or here was a cool set piece or oh here was a cool um you know character but the rest of the movie doesn't hold up to that whereas i think it all the setting that i you know in ireland the whelan family jamie and myra as a couple then the red caps as well um you know which i definitely i think we'll have more opportunity to talk about the red caps and give them kind of their moment in the sun later on in the year when this is kind of more widely available um because i'm sure we will talk about this movie more than just today um but i definitely want to give a shout out to the creature design because i think that it's we've really not seen anything like this for a very long time like we've seen movies try and do it and not really succeed but like this is such good throwback creature design and it's interesting because it really does feel like a you know like a gremlin style film but but then it's put into a modern just amazing tense horror drama which is what makes this movie work so well clearly practical like Mm at its core but i think as well like the thing that i really liked about the red caps and i think i I do want to go into it a bit i don't think it's gonna be too spoilery is that um you you have this creature design you have this notion of what these things might be Mm. and i think kind of a movie like this and even how we're being with like the our discussion on it we're being way too like cards close to our chest because and that's not what this movie does. Like, no, yeah. you, you watch um, something like Cloverfield, um, yeah. as an example. You know, the Clo- first Cloverfield movie, the monster was, the mystery was all about the monster. And the movie. Yeah, that's how, that's how we treat and, every film, is like it's yeah, Cloverfield. Correct, correct. <laughs> and it spoon fed you that monster at little angles and little shots and little snippets of news articles and everything else. And, and by the end of the movie, we were just like salivating, wanting to know what the monster looked like. This this movie doesn't do that. Like <laughs> the second we get introduced to the red caps, one of them just just strolls into the house, just strolls <laughs> into the house, like uh, uncut from the shot, and just leaves a package, and then just strolls out with a little <laughs> with a little comment. And I'm like, and and that like knocked me for six, like watching this movie because I, I I was like, holy shit! Like yeah, they that, and that's why I don't feel bad about going into it because look at the poster. Yeah, like this this movie doesn't care. Because it's like, yeah, it's got red caps. 
Like, yeah, well, this movie uh, just knows what it's got and it's confident yeah. in that, which is <clears throat> exactly yeah. what it should be. Because they're like, no, we know we've got this really interesting, again, interesting from like a character and law and setting perspective mm. because it is so tied to Irish culture that like the second she says red caps and Jamie makes a joke about leprechauns, it's like everyone now has the idea in their head. And so they can take that as the core idea, but then completely expand and go in a different direction and be like, okay, what would be like a weird, gritty, realistic take on this whilst also still being kind of funny and playful Ooh. in this real drama and like i couldn't have loved the the, the look and the sound of the creatures more yeah. like even just thinking about it now when you were just talking and describing that scene i just had a smile on my face yeah because the, the anything little, about them makes me happy the little dialogue that they have as well and again <laughs> i think it's like i find it fascinating because i think of like leprechaun or chucky or mm. these, or, or, you know, Freddy, the, these horror icons that have these one-liners that are for comedic effect. And it's like, I don't know, there was something about these red caps where it's like, in this whole movie, where I'm like, yeah, everything they said made me laugh. But, I, but it, it's also kind of terrifying, and it wasn't there for laughs. It does remind me of, like, the first Leprechaun movie versus, like, the latter ones, you know, yeah, where it is kind of, you know... It, the dialogue is sinister, but it's kind of delivered where it makes you smile. I mean, there's yeah. something about the Irish accent first and foremost that's always kind of a bit funny. I oh mean, yeah, and, and just the, 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 like trying to talk shit to people—that that's always kind of funny. The, like, the the use of the Irish accent in yeah. this film as well is perfect because yeah, yeah, you get a whole variety from like the really nice, kind people like Maeve and the shop owner to then like the drunk who is incoherent like i even i couldn't understand what he was saying throughout most of those scenes um and then and then yeah like the actual family and the way they're kind of using it where they're bringing up like old history and and you know like oh yeah the british love coming in here and taking what's not theirs and i think they nailed that aspect of it as well as like it really brings into like the history of england and ireland in these interesting ways as well and it's oh yeah it all just comes from a a true real place like i'm assuming everyone that was involved from a, like a production standpoint is irish like they must have been right because yeah, this just feels be. so authentic to that time yeah. and place yeah i don't think you can fake that no not at all but yeah i think i think um you know overall this movie clearly is um you know this this little gem really that that kind mm. of um, like I said, or like you said at the start, like it, it, it feels like a movie that we saw at Fright Fest. It, it really does. Like this, just one that kind of we want to champion and get people out there to see. And and the, the good thing is, is that if you're in England, you can see it right now, and in the states, you can see it pretty soon. Like I, you know, the, uh, it, it's it's weird that, to have a movie to talk about like this because I, it really does feel like one that we're like, oh yeah, we've seen this movie. Like hopefully it'll come out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that it did deliver because, um, you know, I, I, when we do the upcoming horror list and like trying to find these weird things, it kind of, you know, it, it's, it's tough and like, and, and it is kind of like, you know, you just try to find some dumb stuff sometimes. And when you, this was this was one that I was so excited about the second I read about it for like the upcoming list. I was like, oh man, like this British movie, the premise sounds cool. I'm gonna whack the trailer on. Fuck the trailer's kind of batshit. Like, I really, I really like everything it's telling me. And then like I've been low key excited for it for twelve months, and then and then you know for it to deliver is is pretty cool. Um, and and 
you know, outside of all of that, just the fact that this movie is that good is also amazing. Yeah, I think this movie like massively over delivered for me. I, I I was excited. I was like, oh, it's cool that we're seeing a, you know, just outside of that. When we go to the cinema, it's special. When we go to the cinema and it's not a sequel or part mm-hmm. of an existing franchise, that's probably the most special ever. Yeah, and then a um, British version yeah, of that. <laughs> exactly. So then it's like, oh, this is, you know, we saw Saint Maud, and then it's like, yeah, Last Night in Soho is kind of like a different thing because it's a big director and that. But it's mm-hmm. like of that what new british horror ip do we get to see at the cinema like almost none you can definitely count on one hand the amount of times that's happened in the six years doing this podcast yeah i, was um, say, I mean you start to get the things like ghost stories that isn't like yeah the that was a great IP one because it was like a, a state no i'd, get, I'd and, say that counts i'd yeah, say that counts but again you can count on one hand yeah, and that's one of them yeah <laughs> Yeah. um but it's like i say if you, if you get one of these a year it's a good year um Absolutely. and so to get this this early in the year yeah. is remarkable <laughs> and i think it's awesome because you know I- i'm so glad this wouldn't have like shunted out in december and we would have had to have the absolute chaos of trying to fit this into a top 10 and stuff because I- i'm so happy that Ooh. this is out now we're going to get to talk about this for the rest of the year and then obviously it's like the states will get it in march then it'll be on demand i'm praying that this gets a good home release because i definitely want to physically own this movie you know i'm, I'm not even going to think about 4k because i'm sure that's not even a reality yeah, but like i'll take a blu-ray and i desperately want i desperately want a making of of some capacity because i think the setting in particular the creature design deserves it for sure um so i think yeah just there's so many aspects of this i also think like just as a two random quick hits the music's fantastic as well throughout the whole thing it was like a real true horror score which i loved it was original as well um but then also the the overall the cast is excellent i think yeah it has like familiar faces that are you know irish people that i've seen in other stuff or new people but i do want to give a particular shout out to hannah john Kamen, the lead because we have seen her in the small screen and the big screen obviously she was in the most recent resident evil i thought she was awesome as jill um she was in black mirror of course as well so like we've seen her in different things she's in marvel um but like to see her in this type of role you know absolutely killing it as our just an insanely awesome lead i think she's everything great, yeah. about like maya ties this entire story together and again it's it's weird because my mind can't stop thinking about the last of us right now but like that's another story where everything's so good but it is inherently always going to be tied to specific characters and i think that yeah the red caps are great jamie's great the whelan's are great the set in ireland's great but it's maya and her protection of her unborn child is what i think drives this whole film um well i think it's just this this story of parenthood at its core where like he's changed because of this protection that he wants to feel but then we actually see this maya development of her becoming a mother like you know not not her having the baby but her just psychologically you know having this this care and 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 love for this unborn child and this level of protection and finding this inner strength and they kind of they mention it don't they early on about like how a mother can like you know lift a car or something like mm-hmm. that isn't it they kind of mention like has this and like you, you can just see that like that like that kind of crescendo is building and and yeah it it, it um you know i think that's a thing that like every message message that you want to look at for this movie um in the background doesn't get to the forefront and doesn't get in the way of the movie but completely delivers as well and i think kind of 
you know, in, in a world where we are now going to transition and start talking about The Last of Us and talking about message and talking about meaning and depth, like for a movie like this to to have chops like that as well is is fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Let alone like it's really entertaining and really funny, mm. you know, really good horror, really good action and, and all this stuff and set pieces. I mean, we haven't even really talked about it, but th- this is basically like a home invasion movie throughout most of it as mm-hmm. well. And it just nails that aspect as well. Like it's so many different genres um, mixed together and it just it's created something so original. We, we talk about that time and time again on this podcast is that, yes, the, the news will be dominated by kind of like the sequelitis and all of those sorts of things. But like like ultimately yeah, like yeah but like right. and that will always be in the news because those are the those are your the your constants whereas it's these variables that we get the most excited about because we didn't know we were going to fall in love with saint Maud the week before we saw it you know it's actually the opposite we was both like this does not look good at all you know based upon the title <laughs> and stuff and, and it's like we're still talking about that movie now as one of our all-time favorite films um and i really it's early days but i just can't to me this is one of those films you, you said it earlier perfectly it's like we get behind certain films that we feel the need to champion as like our duty as podcast hosts and like this is 100 percent in that category of like if you're listening to a weekly horror podcast and you're trying to find these gems that like you already know there's a new screen movie coming out you don't need us to tell yeah. you about that but like this is a movie that you need to listen to us and be like if you can see this no matter any way like i loved seeing it at the cinema it was fantastic mm-hmm. but see it at home see it however you can watch it rent it buy it just see this movie and support it because it's it's really something special and I think it will hit home even more for for kind of British audiences. But I really hope that this finds the love in the States um, because I think that it will... Like a lot of movies do transcend, you know, I think about some some of the British films, particularly ones that are these kind of, you know, in the rural areas and kind of yeah. cat water stories. They really resonate abroad a lot. So I yeah, really, I, so. I really hope this is going to be one of those ones. And I definitely think with the creature design as well, there's going to be hopefully that audience will definitely latch onto this as well. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, think, I think as well, though, with the um, like you know with with that kind of rural setting it does feel kind of familiar mm. to these kind of you know desolate places of isolation that you kind of have in the states and and you know we see all the time Definitely. um but yeah i i i completely agree I, you know that was kind of your recommendation mm. and i'm i'm the same like completely recommend this movie i think um you know people who are in the states and and you may have a slim opportunity to see this in the cinema you know, I really hope that our words will be enough for you to kind of go see it. And because I think, you know, the sound design first and foremost was fantastic on a big screen, but then visually it looked great as well. Like it really did not feel out of place on the big screen. And, um, you know, sometimes with the, with low budget movies and, and indie movies and that it's not, it's not necessary. You can enjoy them anywhere and you definitely can this one, but I, I did feel like the big screen elevated it in the way that, you know, this is what this podcast wants to do is watch cinema horror. And this was a, this was a great cinema horror, but definitely first and foremost, a great horror that you should watch. Yeah, I completely agree. There's been a couple of particular Fright Fest where you go, oh, this is a really cool movie that I liked, but that was kind of weird seeing it on a screen that big. Yeah. Um, whereas this is like, no, this 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 definitely deserves that for sure. And obviously it's only going to be... Give me that Fright Fest screen for this movie. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Like, 
Oh, I just, I really, like I say, I really hope that this movie lands. I think if this just comes and goes and no one's talking about this for the rest of 2023, I'll be so bummed out. But even if that is the case, like, we'll we'll still do our part for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what, what a goddamn start. I just, again, I, I, I sometimes you need to I just know. take we a step fine, back yeah. and be like, what the hell is going on? Because again, the, I think genuinely the last three months of last year was so good. And then we already saw two movies at the start of this year, you know, Deadstream and The Menu that I really liked that were 2022 releases. Um, but now we're in the actual meat of like brand new releases and we get a movie this good, this early. Like if this is the bar, like good fucking luck to everyone else, let alone obviously what we're about to talk about on TV as well, where it's like, just shut it down, man. Like everyone just take the next 11 months off. This is it um yeah. absolute insanity i just i love times like this it's so so exciting um but yeah it makes the podcast super easy oh it's so good that, that's the thing you know sometimes it can be difficult when you're in this run of poor movies you've not got anything else to talk about in tv world or anything else but it's like you know currently i don't even want to talk about movies right mm. now because <laughs> we're, we're watching last of us and yet we just had a discussion about a movie like that. It's, it's you know, it, it's great. It's crazy because it, in another timeline, in another world, where if we didn't have this movie and we didn't have The Last of Us, we'd be sitting there being really annoyed that we're not getting to see Infinity Pool right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't give a shit. No, I'm like, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm, we'll get yeah, it. We'll come out. Yeah, we'll get yeah, it. I think we'll get it next month in March. But yeah, I am in no rush. Like, I've got too much good shit right now. So yeah, and, and like I say... We, we've actually got a really interesting movie next week as well, which uh, we'll get to at the end of this week because we need to definitely do a little mini hype check and preview for that film as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was our great discussion on Unwelcome. We will take a quick break and we will be right back. So yeah, kind of to continue this uh, this train of positivity in the horror world right now. And, and again, just to kind of emphasize the point, like if you're a horror fan and you're not just having the best time right now, like you're you're just not doing the right things because to see movies like this, and obviously again, this is this was for British audiences, but I'm sure Infinity Pool is awesome in the states as well. Yeah, Infinity Pool is awesome. The menus everywhere, <laughs> like you know even megan like was a decent yeah. time like with 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 you know we've had nothing but good times this year so far and that was a great story to talk about like oh james won you know a massive hit for him and his production company which made me very happy um but yeah and then now obviously we're going to talk about hbo's the last of us episode three so full spoiler warning for the third episode but obviously we won't be spoiling any uh future spoilers unless we throw up an additional warning um mm-hmm oh my god fuck me fuck me this show is just i I am starting to worry that i'm running out of the words in my vocabulary to accurately describe how good the show is we just if anyone's never listened to the podcast before we do we do critique things like we we don't just (laughs) love just just i wish it's been like this for six whole years i love it (laughs) if only that was the case (laughs) it's just like, insane i, I can't believe where i'm like it's talking to me on a level that i didn't think was possible um you know and i think we, we we spoke about it last week where we were like oh okay so 
you know, episode one, we got Sarah and we got we got that story. We got the opening of the game, the opening of the show. And it's like it hit just as hard. And the way that we got to see Sarah throughout that episode worked well and was different, but was still mostly the same. And then episode two, we get kind of Tess and we get her realization of her story. And we're like, you know, and you said it last week, like, oh, OK, we're, we're now at the point where we're like, we think, you know, Tess is better in the show than in the game. And it's like, how many more of these ticks can we have? And I think kind of like, you know, now going into this episode and going into Bill's town and, and meeting Bill, it's kind of like, this is the biggest deviation that we've we've had from the, the game to, to the, you know, to the show at this point where this character is, compl- you know, but but also grounded in so many of the same things. But we get to see that visualization of, Bill's journey, Bill and Frank's journey, their relationship, and then ultimately a different, you know, conclusion that is just infinitely more satisfying than kind of this this one note within the video game. And um, I just, like, I didn't think this, like, you know, I knew that Sarah was going to hit me in episode one. Yeah. I knew, that, I, I know that there's characters that are going to be introduced later in the game, in the, in the show that are going to affect me as well, because they affected me in the game. Um, Bill and Bill and Frank's story in the game is a very, it was, well, it's optional. You, you, if you don't read that note, you don't, you don't get it. Yeah. So you just know, a it, quick it, aside it, for people, because yeah. I do think this is one of the times that is worth noting, as you mentioned, that this mm. is far the biggest de- deviation from the video games. You meet Bill in Bill's town as Joel and Ellie. You go on an adventure mm-hmm. together. You go to a school to get a battery and there's like a crazy infected. It's when you first meet a bloater and you do all these like crazy action set pieces involving the infected. And you very much learn how to craft with Bill because yes. he is this similar survivalist so he teaches you how to make yeah there's where there's an iconic moment when you first get caught in one of bill's traps and the kind of camera switches around which i'm curious if they'll put that in a different part of the tv show because it's very iconic last of us to me so i was surprised we didn't get that even though obviously wouldn't make context (laughs) make sense in the context that we get bill in this show um but yeah and bill is a old loner he's angry with the world he hates everyone Uh, he's switched off he has nothing really to live for he is just surviving and then we kind of meet like the corpse of frank who was you know his partner who they had an argument and frank left and then frank got infected and so he killed himself and that was the end of that story and then frank sees that that body and is kind of angry and then we just leave bill he's alive and we never see or hear from bill again for the next two games um yeah and it was so this is so so different like you say but yeah you can you can carry on now i just wanted to kind of say to give that as a setup and i think as well like it it's just fantastic like we're gonna go we're we're gonna continue just to go super deep into this show because guess what if you don't know by now we we love the last of us and we're so in it and and it, it can't help it because i think you know it just shows like neil Druckmann's development of this original story and like how it is still just stating in his brain and he's in he's growing on it that i think when the original game come out bill's character served the purpose of what it needed to do for the game but also kind of the sense of the tone that that was in his head at that time and kind of their relationship is such an angry unsatisfying conclusion where it's just like you know frank is like screw you like screw the world you created i'm gonna go find something new or die trying and even if I die trying, it's better than staying with you. Like it's something along those lines. Mm. And 
And it's like, that's so like, you know, just a horrible ending. And then that teases in the show, which is crazy. Yeah, (laughs) I know. And over time, like Neil has, you know, developed that, you know, the first game is about love and it's not just a, you know, I think initially it was so focused on this parental love, Mm. but it's not, it's not just that it's just love in general and this bond that can be created and, and the, the, the toxicity and positivity and, you know, good and bad that that can come of it. And I think like the, the visualization of these two characters on the TV screen was just, you know, a a great way of doing that. You know, I think um, the whole, the whole episode was like, you know, again, the show just knew what it was doing. And it's like, we get these little moments with Joel and Ellie. We get interesting points with Joel and Ellie, this kind of him going to the stash and, Ellie, you know, it, it, I think Ellie in particular, the way that she kind of attacks that infected and kind of cuts it and 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 then kind of kills it. Like we we didn't we've never seen an Ellie like that in the game. Um, no, very sadistic. You know, we, we kind of very sadistic, and and I don't think like we kind of knew that she had this side to her, but never never visualized like that, never represented like that. And I think like that's like you know enough of a development i think as well just joel in particular um oh man i don't even i can't stop like just pinging around different areas and it's just my brain is hurting i'll I'll give you a break because um i just Uh, i did want to touch upon the actual and then i'll go into my thoughts like in terms of game versus tv show because i obviously said last Mm. week that i thought tess was better in the tv show than Mm. video game i think with this it's so different that i'm so glad they both exist because i think for me the game was so much fun to play bill's town um and the gameplay was so awesome during this entire section and i think that bill's character did serve the purpose for the game at the time because he was showing joel to what you shouldn't become you know do not become this resentful old person that's got nothing to live for and that did serve its purpose even though it was very unsatisfying um but it was fun at the time however to translate that to the tv show we obviously didn't get a cold open this week it went straight into credits which i was like a little bit disappointed when it first started i was like oh okay you know we didn't think that was going to happen and we knew this was this is like the second longest episode of the whole season um you know just Mm -hmm. behind episode one and um which was basically two episodes. So this is this is the feature length episode of the entire season, and we basically get like say the intro with Joel and Jelly, uh, Joel and Jelly, Joel and Ellie, yeah. um, and then and then yeah, it's all Bill and Frank. So and like to to start with him on the day in the kind of basement and and hide away then seeing him seeing it become bill's town was like incredible to me because again that's all implied in the video game but to see the realization of what bill's town actually means was awesome to then get to him in the hole and him kind of with his guard up and then the piano scene was just unreal like how this then evolved into what became bill and frank and Again, we're bouncing all over the place, but like Neil Druckmann tweeted after this, like, why are you all crying? This is the happy episode. And and obviously he's joking, but they he's he's won. true. They like no, he's not joking. They won yeah, life. Definitely. Like, that is the best outcome they, in this world for sure, is that you like, got to yeah, live a, a happy life. World, they got to live in bliss for twenty odd years, you know, and then end it on their terms. It's crazy. Yeah, and end it on their terms in a perfect way. Like that that's winning at life. If that's not a win, what is? But 
that's, that's it was, by far the biggest win. You, you, like, get get strapped in, guys, for the rest of this show because you're mm. not going to get another win like this. Because yeah, this is Bill and Frank won in this world, unlike anyone. But yeah, I think like I'm so glad they didn't show their bodies at the end. I really thought yeah. it was going to be like a you know they're they're like corpses decaying on the bed. No, I knew. I knew the, the, the second they well, came back the and we got that window, I was like, you motherfuckers. That was amazing. Like, I couldn't believe that. Uh, you know, again, like that is the loading screen of the initial kind of title screen of the video game, mm. uh, a, a window with, with the, with the blowing kind of curtains. And I was like, you've done it at the perfect point. Like, you know, putting that Easter egg in there, it's a beautiful shot that, that, yeah, you have this dread that, that you part of you does think, are we going to see these corpses that we don't want to see? Um, but instead, and it is this like sad, happy moment where you're sad. The music's incredibly sad, but I also felt happy. I was like, they're free. They're happy. They had a brilliant life. And like, you know, death is sad, but it sometimes can be, you know, a happy celebration as well. And I, and I was like, man, you you bastards i was just like you've you've made me feel too many emotions over the last hour and 20 minutes that i i I just thought we were going to learn how to craft some weapons and see someone like with a suicide note i'm like come on guys like you can't do that to me that's exactly i know when they were like when the emotional shit comes along i'm like at least i'm expecting that i weren't expecting bill's town to be the the gut punch no like in that, that, that is the um, thing where i'm like uh, there were certain moments that i'm already emotionally invested in like sarah's death and stuff but for this yeah be, like say i'm not i don't want to feel this heavy every single week because it is it is a lot like i do want to get entertainment from the show like i like uh, this week it, where, oh, it is, it's the clips in, in the museum and stuff whereas this was just all in my feelings for the entire show mm. um you know when we tie then back to joel and ellie in our present and and she's reading that letter and then she obviously gets yeah. to test and doesn't say it and that's when like joel reads it and has to take a moment to go outside i was just like jesus yeah. Christ, like this show well, it's just perfect yeah. from from uh, everything what was, um, wanting to touch upon when i was just getting too excited about a million different things is that the, the joel and tess relationship in this this show is fantastic because tess in the video game had to be a conduit to get joel and ellie together and to get them on the journey and you you never, I never got a true sense of their relationship in the game. No, you know, I don't know what you no, it, it really doesn't, you know, it's on, you know, is it a work relationship? Is it the fact that she knows that he's the toughest guy there and is just dead inside? So therefore she can use him to be hard muscle. That is what I got um, the first time I played the yeah. game a decade ago. I didn't get any sort of romantic inkling. And I think, Correct. I think I over the say. last 10 years in the re-releases, they have reconceptualized that a little bit where people are like, mm. oh, they kind of implied that they were romantically involved. But yeah, my initial read of the game was not that at all. No. And, and I think, you know, it is with this, with this TV show, it is this, um, you know, it's very overt what their relationship is. And I think seeing that flashback with Tess, and seeing like this young Tess kind of that she's so much less troubled in that, in that moment than where she is when we meet her at the start of this show and like seeing her then and seeing Joel and her together and seeing that Joel had like this, this happiness in his life um, and having this person. And, and I think kind of that coupled with just when he built the little rock kind of, um, you know, uh, tribute, uh, to her uh, kind of you know just this very you know it was just such a somber thing where he's just there like uh, have, washing his face or filling his water or whatever he was doing 
And then he just started stacking these rocks. And I was like, why is he stacking these rocks? And then I was like, oh, fuck, he's saying goodbye. I was like, he's saying goodbye. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Like, and it's just like, it's it's unemotional, her death in the game, really. She dies and it's sad because she's dead. But like, Joel just flicks a switch like he did at the end of the episode. Um, whereas in this, it's in, in this, you know, in, in episode two, he did that. He just flicked a switch and walked away from Ellie at, at the end of episode two. But I think the fact that they circle back around to it and showed twice in modern day, you know, with the tribute and then with the reading of the, 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 the note. Uh, Joel's reaction to Tess and his heartbreak of losing her, I think it just it just strengthens the argument of Joel as a character even more. And it kind of, it shows more and more why he is driven to, to look after Ellie. And I think kind of that with then like, you know, I'm pretty sure it's a direct dialogue when he's kind of like, you must do what I say when I say it. And yeah, that's you know, from the game, yeah. All of that. And then she's like, and then she fucking changes the words yeah. but it still just about says what he says and i'm like oh man like that could not sum those two characters up more perfectly that that snippet of dialogue if you tried well, um so many moments that even though there wasn't that much joel and ellie in this episode mm. what we got built so much you know you think of they, yeah. they she sees the arcade machine and obviously yeah that was so in good. this world it's actual mortal kombat 2 not like a fake version and obviously mm-hmm. we know how that's going to play in in the future so that whole interaction was great but we're already seeing like the giddy excitement that ellie has with the world obviously the the plane crash was like a brand new thing to see and him kind of explaining like oh yeah it didn't feel like a great thing when you were doing it back then and obviously her saying like having this wonder with oh i can't imagine being in the sky you know th- there's, there's so much groundwork that's being laid right now for for that people cry over in in future seasons um and oh god there was another moment i forgot now i think it was later on. oh in the car when she's obviously like she's never been in a car before and she's like oh this is a spaceship to me and he obviously puts the seatbelt on her and he's starting to actually get an enjoyment out of these interactions Mm -hmm. now like yeah the show is insane like another point i will make is kind of uh, you know i i said last year boldly that i thought this would be twofold i thought this would be a huge success for hbo and it would be like their most popular show which is already proven to be the fact but then my other uh like prediction was that it would be critically received incredibly well as well which is a bold thing to say because there's not many shows that are the most popular in terms of viewership and like critiques as well but i think this is the one i think out of every single episode that will happen this has enough of the last of us and joel and ellie but it is such a standalone bill and frank story that when when it comes to the emmys and the other award ceremonies yeah this this is the one one. yeah that you go for writing for directing for acting for everything this is the one you nominate and i think it's going to win everything yeah which is kind of like you know it's it's crazy because you have this show where you know pedro is just out of this world and bella Mm. like both of them are just incredibly phenomenal in every scene they're in um but they're in the back seat for this episode you know and this whole show is those two and those two are so incredible but it's probably this show this episode and other characters that might get more plaudits (laughs) yeah but um yeah i i think there, there were so many parts of it that were just such a great way to show this this relationship i think kind of the cut to three years later and them having that argument over frank mm. wanting to to make the place a home whereas the yeah. deal is a combat zone and a, and a you know a bunker 
um, was, was phenomenal. Transitions into the scene you mentioned, which was the the mm. Tess and Joel, which I thought was yeah. outstanding because that whole brilliant. scene is brilliant. It's like, oh, I want friends over, and I laughed at that because I'm like, what world are you living in? You're not having yeah. friends, and obviously, and then, and then when it cut to like Joel sitting there, all looking kind of <laughs> smart, I was like, man, I laughed so hard. When he's like, oh, I, sp- I spoke to a woman on the radio, and he's like, you did what? Like, I just love that <laughs> dynamic because yeah, in his world everything is a danger like he's been he was a loner way before the end of the world and so he was you know he was a prepper and he was he was designed for this and this was like a dream come true for him you know he says that in the letter at the end that he was happy when everyone died Mm. um and and you know he's just sitting there having these amazing meals that made me want uh i want a steak dinner or a roast dinner cooked by bill because it just looks amazing he's he's, yeah he he is a phenomenal chef (laughs) Uh, he is the best post-apocalyptic chef of all time far like i just i just Mm. think he's got it everything like it like Mm. i say as we said in this world it's like he's got his own place he's self-sustained he's happy he's just got everything like it's it's just fantastic and and like and then he gets to like see people get fucked up on his traps and watch it on cctv yeah that was the other thing as well like we i think we only get to see two infected which is that one and then the one that obviously which is Mm. yeah and even the raiders bit was really short as well like it's Mm -hmm yeah this show continues to blow me away we've obviously got six more episodes and i'm like the bar is just is just too high like i don't know how they're going to continue and it's like and then i think i'm like oh yeah we've got we've got left behind we've got all this other stuff we haven't even seen much of tommy yet like there's still so much to look forward to Mm. i'm 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 very interested to see where we get for the final episode Mm. um because you know having an episode like this like bill's town is obviously a huge part of the game Mm. and and i can still see that easily they sat down and was like right okay let's plot our episodes with the pivotal points of the game and bill's town would be on there as an episode but the fact that this is such a long fleshed out thing it's like what about the characters that were already called and fleshed out like are we going to get more of them i I don't think we will i think this was uh, you know, as you said, it's got the longest runtime outside of episode one. Um, you know, this is the feature length episode. This does feel like it almost was there, like really try and embrace like a different take on on characters. Now, I wonder if there will be a bigger departure and a bigger deviation from from the game than, than this episode. I agree. I think mostly everything else we'll see will be mostly similar. I think mm. I think we both pull speak- this rabbit out of the hat again. Yeah, I think we both speculated though that I think Ish will be in the show. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, not to say more than that, but I think that will already be a, a slight deviation from the game, which mm. will be very interesting to see. But yeah, I don't expect them to have a full seventy-minute episode dedicated to them. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I just I cannot wait Ish to see like it. Fan favorite that that they mm. almost have to. Um, oh, you know Neil Druckmann was like when they had yeah. a certain set of things they were going to incorporate, and that was clearly going to be an obvious yeah. one. Let alone I like we, we know from the trailers, like flashbacks to Ellie's mom. Like, when is that going to be involved? No, it's so back to crazy. I love the curveball because this episode, when it fucking started, and there was no flashback at the start. Mm. I'm like, but 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 the Last of Us has a flashback at the start of every episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I genuinely nearly paused it because I was like, did I just space out? I'm like, I don't want to miss a second of this. Like, why yeah. are we why are we got this right now? 
Well, it was crazy because, yeah, it goes straight into it with Joel and Ellie and it's all pretty normal. And then, yeah, obviously, and then we get a flashback. And he's like, I don't want you to see something. And you're like, oh, mm. what is he talking about? And that's when, obviously, you see the pile of bodies. And she's like, mm. they, were, they weren't infected. Why did they kill them? I and know, then, obviously, it cuts to, like, on the day and you see the mother with the child in the same clothes. And you're like, oh, mm. we're not doing this again, are we? Like, please don't show more children mm. being fucking killed. And, like, yeah. thankfully, they didn't. Um, because I think that would have been, if three episodes in a row would have been too much, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah, that's yeah. my limit but yeah instead they were like no we're gonna give you like the sweet you know heartbreaking episode that is it's heartbreaking but it is it is happiness ultimately like mm. this is the warm happy episode it is gonna go down from here i've ever felt like <laughs> yeah i just can't like i'm still i can't stop thinking about this since i watched it yesterday um yeah th- this show is like I say, we had expectations. We love The Last of Us. We have for a very long time. But I think we're almost... We, we shouldn't like this as much in some ways because it would either be, oh, we're too protective of this thing that we yeah, love. Yeah, exactly. And, and changes. Just story beats would already be played out mm. for us. And it's like, yeah. no, somehow it's it's they've capsulated what made a special game of the year one of the best games ever made Mm. as a video game because it had a great narrative but it was also incredibly fun to play perfectly translated to a tv show which i think is now the definition of modern day event television that every week is an event you have to watch it every week like I don't think anyone should wait and be like, oh, no, I'm going to wait till it's all out or something like that. Like, you need to you savor this and have a week digest. between each one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I watch each episode multiple times and I absorb every bit of content I can hear Neil talk about and everything. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just great. I think as well, like, something that I, I feel is important to kind of touch upon is that, you know, so many shows and so many things we watch kind of put a a kind of a gay relationship into a show just to kind of you know have it in there and 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 try to be inclusive but but ultimately it still feels like it's kind of been shoehorned in and like this this episode just was was seamless i think with the way that you know we've spent our entire time talking about it and haven't touched upon that in the slightest and Mm -hmm. i think that's so incredibly you know how things should be and how that's not the case in 90% of things we watch. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it was just the fact that something like that is, is in this show when it, you know, it, it just, it, and, and it just worked in so seamlessly like that. And I think kind of, you know, obviously we knew of Bill and Frank and their relationship in the game, but, but the visualization of this, you know, this reimagining of this beautiful relationship and seeing this, this grow, like it's, um, I, I don't know whether I've ever seen like uh, a, a gay relationship that was that beautifully represented, you know, on, on, on in anything. Yeah. Um, I completely agree yeah. with that. I think normally, like you say, it's, it gets put in a certain category of mm. like, Oh, it's interesting because it's a, it's the first interracial relationship or it's the first gay relationship. Whereas this is just like, you put it in the category of the all time great romance stories you've ever seen, yeah. you know, and love stories. And that's what this is between Bill and Frank. And I do definitely want to give a shout out to the two actors because I think like Nick Offerman, who is primarily, I've only seen him really do comedy before. Yeah. Yeah. He's a you know a hilarious actor, but for really him to hilarious. do drama this well was like unbelievable. Uh, like I was excited when he was playing Bill because I just like him, but I was always a bit yeah, like too. 
and, and it was weird because when he was cast, we knew Bill from the video game, and Bill from the video game does have a lot of funny back and forth with mm-hmm. Ellie. So I was like, oh, that's why they've got Nick, because he's going to be busting Ellie's balls and she's going to be doing it back and it's going to be great. And so the fact that they never meet each other in the TV show, um, so you don't get any of that comedy in that aspect of it. But he does just have such a real groundness to him and such a level of real humanity. Like he really felt like a real human being in this world. And then uh, Murray Bartlett, who plays um, Frank, I've never seen him in anything and he was just exceptional. I think he is going to be one of those people that will win like best guest actor in a tv show because it's like it was so so strong um yeah i think hbo in general has like such a ridiculously high caliber of actors when i think of recent tv shows that they put out um particularly big little lies like if people have not seen that the cast is just exceptional in that show but yeah i think this is white white yeah people as well which is obviously where murray is kind of he's he's had a big he had a decent role in that for what i believe as well yeah have you ever watched Um, that no, 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 I haven't either. But I, I keep hearing good things, and I, and at this point, mm. I'm like, I need to just watch every HBO show because they're just outrageous. Like I say, the even the shows that aren't going to vibe with me, and that's what I've always said about them is that they might not always vibe with me, yeah, but they, I always they have a level. Yeah, there's just that consistent quality of like they don't really drop below like an eight out of ten on a bad day, and then on a good day they just go, oh yeah, here's a ten, and then like even thinking about this in that role, I can't because yeah, I think. As of right now, this is probably already my second favorite TV show of all time, and it's three episodes in. <laughs> I know. That, that would be ridiculous to say about anything else. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. It's like stop here, guys, and you, you're good. Like, you yeah, just know, take yeah. the silver spot. They're like, no, we're yeah. we're coming for that gold. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't think you're gonna do it. But to be honest, after three episodes, like, <laughs> who knows? Especially as someone who has just played part two and is now in love with that story, I'm mm-hmm. like, my god, you, you guys have so much to work with over these multiple seasons and what a fucking cast you guys have um for all of Mm. these roles that we've seen so far like there is every person we've seen so far has felt like the dream actor for that role and knowing characters that are to come you know we've speculated on abby of course but there's Mm -hmm. plenty of other characters that are yet to come and i already can't wait to see who is going to be playing all of those roles what i will say just as a a weird thing to throw out here because i don't this isn't like spoilers at all because no one even knows who abby is just saying a name of someone doesn't mean anything um there was a lot of speculation in the last week obviously with Mm -hmm. season two being confirmed and people were you know a lot of those popular tweets like who do you think is going to play abby and so i clicked on them because i was curious just what people were saying there was one person who i wasn't familiar with who just really looked like abby so i don't know if that was maybe what they were going for but one person that was thrown out a lot where i was like i never would have thought of them and that's really interesting um florence Pugh. um yeah i was like man that just sounds i'm like is she too big for hbo like i don't probably not but something about that really sounds right to me it's Um, great it's a great shout yeah mm, so yeah we shall see but um yeah i don't know whether abby's like a bit younger maybe but they could easily you know uh yeah you could easily work yeah i like it it yeah but oh god yeah i mean again yeah i mean I think we will talk about characters, but mm. we will not. There will not be no spoilers. Like, oh yeah, there's there's someone called Abby. Mm. Yeah, cool. Like, exactly. Yeah. If you if we just said about Bill and Frank, it wouldn't have spoiled anything. Yeah, and and guess what? We it would have been week. very different anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, we spoke about Bill and Frank last week and said like we're looking forward to that. And and you know, I think I did say to you how it, it does feel like we're going to get. I, I thought the opening scene was going to be 
all mm. Bill's Town like set up and then was going to be finished with Frank dying. And yeah. then we see Bill later in the episode like ravaged by it. That's yeah. what I thought was going to happen. Um, and the motherfuckers just flipped it on its head because that's what they do. Definitely. Um, I, I did want to say as well, like I, the reason why I love having this conversation so much on the show in particular is obviously doing this podcast for so long, we have so many different areas of things that we're really invested mm. in. You know, we talk about franchises a lot, you know, film franchises and characters and stuff. But I think this is a really unique conversation for us to have because there are always adaptations and it's like oh yeah weird you know i'd i'd read it before seeing the movies for example but it wasn't one of those like one of the my most important pieces of media i've ever consumed in my life being adapted like when nosferatu happened on tv i was 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 literally i was literally gonna say nosferatu yeah it's like one of the one of your favorite books that you've read and and me too but even that you know is like okay a book being adapted that's cool and like uh, you know I, I like I like Harry Potter books and movies. You know, it's like yeah. okay, cool, but like, yeah, something like The Last of Us that is this seminal experience outside of movies that we've had, and then like seeing that visualization, you know, into the, the whole journey, and and then like now the payoff is just yeah, it's it's something very unique. Definitely, yeah. Like, I, I, so, like, we talk about Resident Evil a lot because obviously Resident Evil is something that we've loved mm. forever in terms of video games, and that's why we're so passionate about the. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about it, whether it's hopefully the good games, but then you know, good film adaptations or terrible TV adaptations. And so, I think with The Last of Us, that really is something that we've just been so invested from day one. Like, I still remember when we first heard about the announcement of The Last of Us. You know, because we were such mm. big fans of Naughty Dog and Uncharted, and so, and then we both had the game pre-ordered we both played the game individually the day it came out um nearly a decade ago and and have been in love with this character with these characters in that world since then um and it's been such a crazy journey with part two as well to then get to this point that like the whole world is now getting to experience this thing that we've loved so much but then i have such a sense of like pride watching it because yeah there's a reason why Resident Evil pisses me off when it sucks because I want it to be great. But The Last of Us is something like Bioshock that if Bioshock ever comes to live action, I'm going to be terrified because I know it's not going to be one of the greatest films or greatest TV shows ever made, which is what it should be because Bioshock is one of the greatest video game franchises ever made. Yeah, this was almost impossible to to like meet our expectations. Yeah, like it had to um, be one of the best things I've ever seen, and it is. Yeah. And that's like <laughs> that can't be understated how ridiculous that is. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. like I say, if this would have just been good, we'd have both been pretty bummed out. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it was like okay, you know, yeah, uh, it's like the first Resident Evil movie. It's like okay, yeah. cool. Like, <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, I like that film, but I don't yeah. ever think about it that much. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, what, what a week, hey? What a week. Yeah, one in the same week. And yeah, next week, um, we got another very exciting movie to talk about. Obviously, we talked about it in our best of 2022 recently. But yeah, the return of M. Night, who is currently tied as our most prolific filmmaker in terms of top 10 position. And obviously, he has three top 10 films for the podcast with 
Split, Glass, and Old. Um, obviously, the same as Mike Flanagan, funny enough, who also has three films, even though he's primarily known say, for Flanagan, winning. Say, Flanagan, that's not fair. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, in a film capacity, he's the most prolific tied. Yeah. But yeah, Flanagan's also like, oh, yeah, I have three top tens, and I also have one best TV show twice, um, which is outrageous. But yeah, so can can M. Night do it? Can Obviously, we won't know until like 10 months after this or whatever, but mm. can he be the first guy to... Idea, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll know. We'll we'll have a great idea for sure, and I I just hope it's awesome. I'm uh, as just even that is obviously the overall context of the show and M Night and everything, but just as a movie, I remember when we first saw the trailer, and I was so intrigued. Yeah, like just that initial pr- like premise, and obviously we've seen that trailer a lot, which has been slightly mm-hmm. annoying. But the first time I saw it, and it was you know this home invasion thing with this end of the world kind of twist on it, I was like, oh, that's that looks so good. I can't yeah. wait to see that. So I want to get that energy again the second before I see this film and be like, oh yeah, that I, initial I, excitement I, is how I feel now. I'm I'm there, man. Like mm. I've I've I'm so excited, and I think like the little kind of snippets of chaos that we've seen, because I think like the, the, you know, the original trailer tells us so much about, it. you think of old mm. and the, the trailer for old that we got. And we are like, we don't know what the fuck this movie is. Yeah. Trailer was like, terrible. The, 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 yeah, it was. And, but the second we saw this trailer, we know it, we knew what this movie is about. They set up the premise. They set up a big chunk of it. And I'm like, what aren't you showing me? You fuckers. <laughs> like what what aren't you showing me samuel L. jackson you? let's go <laughs> <laughs> god damn it um you know and i'm like yeah when we've had these little snippets of outside of the the, the home invasionness i'm like yeah this is this is gonna be batshit and i'm like i don't know how batshit but i know m night and like so i'm gonna guess pretty batshit crazy um yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm very excited for it. I'm I'm very excited to see Batista in this. Like mm. I think um you know, I've I've enjoyed his uh you know, action acting chops for a while and like seeing him kind of sink his teeth into a role like this. I'm like, "Okay, let, let's see what you got, big guy." Like and and you know, the fact that M Night was confident enough to have him in it, like I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm already like, "Oh, if I can just get past your size and your wrinkly head, like yeah, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, we well, mentioned obviously his a- action. For me, it's his comedy. Like he's yeah, he's yeah, such yeah. a funny yeah. guy, yeah. and so yeah, I I can't wait. Similar to what we just saw with Nick, of like I want to see a guy who usually he's put in front of me just to make me laugh in on screen. So like, and I don't think that's what they're going for in this film. So I, I cannot wait to see like already from what we just saw in the trailers, his performance looks great because he is so massive and he has such like a timid persona. I'm already like, Oh, that really looks like it's going to work for me. Um, so yeah, I can't wait. He, this is just going to keep this this horror positivity train going. Um, and it's across all fronts as well. Just as a quick aside, I'll probably talk about it next week, but like Dead Space Remake is currently out for video game fans and it's fucking amazing. It's like genuinely one of the best horror games ever made. So yeah, video games, films, TV, if you're liking horror, you're having a great time right now and it's just the start of the year. Um, we, like, we like everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was going to say, yeah, we're we're great, uh, we're great for us because yeah, we love all of these things and we get to enjoy them all equally. So it's uh, it's awesome. We'll always be focused on the the movies, but when the video games and the TV is this good as well, like oh, it's just a perfect trifecta. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was episode three hundred and thirty four. Thanks for listening as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. And 
Look at me now, you've made it!